All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already maintained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have, as a, um, have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Um, I remember as a, as a fairly new Christian, like uh, maybe only a, a year or so into... Um, Jesus saving me, becoming quite disappointed um, because I discovered something. I'd, I'd discovered that I hadn't yet been perfected. I'd, I, for some reason, I assumed that the, the, the more that I walked with Jesus, the closer that I was to him, the, um, the more I don't know, like the more holy I would feel or, or something. But instead, I was confronted with like, I'm, I haven't arrived as a Christian yet. I, I am still a person who's in need of Jesus' rescuing work in my life. I'm somebody who doesn't have it all together. I'm somebody who's still in need of, of grace. I haven't yet been perfected. I'm still a work in progress. And um, I found that quite discouraging to begin with. Um, and then I started to realize, well, that's, that's all of us, this side of glory, surely. Maybe um, you're here this evening and you know what it is if you have trusted in Jesus, you're a believer. Maybe you know something of what it's like to be confronted by your imperfection or what it is to be reminded that um, God's still got work to do in your life and so if if that's the case you're actually in really good company um and just want to say if you are um, visiting with us um or, or new here welcome to Wagga Baptist Church like we don't have it all together um the Lord Jesus still needs to do a work in us we haven't been perfected yet um and that's who we are and so you're in good company because that's the story of us, but, but also um, in looking at this letter to the Philippians, um, we see that Paul, he still says that he hasn't arrived yet as a Christian, like he hasn't, he hasn't fully attained what he's striving for and, and what he's directed his whole life towards is, is for the prize of knowing Jesus fully and he says, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Um, it's not like I've, I've, I've been perfected yet, but I forget what is behind and I strive forward that I would attain this prize to know Jesus fully. And so we've got this reminder um, to us and to the Philippian church um, that 
all of us who are followers of Jesus, we are works in progress. Like Jesus is in the process of, of cleaning us up. Um, the fancy word for it is, is sanctified. He's, we're still under this process of being made more like Jesus. And um, so when, when we're saved from our sin, when we're forgiven, um, like that's, that's a work that, that God does. Like he rescues us and that's like totally on him. Like he saves us from our sins. But, um, but to be sanctified, to be made more like Jesus, um, it, is, it is something that we participate in with God. Um, it's something that, that we work alongside God in the process of becoming more holy as we live for Him. And in fact, we've got a responsibility to live out what we believe as works in progress. And so Paul, he says in this little section that we're looking at, verses 15 to 21, he says, Philippians, um, let's have three things as works in progress. You've got to have the right mindset, we've got to have the right walk, and we've got to have the right hope as well. So that's what we get to get to have a look at this evening. So to have the right mindset. So we've got Paul who has just finished talking about how Jesus is his number one, um, right? We heard that last week from Luke. Um, that Jesus is the number one thing in his life. And he says, I strive, I strain to attain the prize of knowing Jesus fully. And, and that, Paul centers his whole life around that. Like he pours himself into knowing Jesus fully. And then he turns to the Philippians in this letter and he says, okay, and so all of us who would be mature in our faith, let us think that way. So if we want to be mature in our faith, let us also have that mindset, that, that devotion, that singular devotion to, to knowing Jesus fully. And then, maybe surprisingly, he says, and if any of you think differently on this point, he doesn't say, if you think differently, get on board, guys. He actually says, well, God will make it clear to you in verse 15 or 16. Um, God will make it clear to you. He's got this confidence in the Lord. Um, he's got this confidence in that, that, that he is right. Um, but then he says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Or let us grab a hold and not let go of what, what is already clear to us. And that's the good news of Jesus. That in Jesus, um, we have God who has come as man, who's lived perfectly in our place um, the life that we never could and died in our place for our sins on the cross. And he didn't stay dead, but rose again. And because of that, all who would trust in his name know that we too will rise. And Jesus rules and reigns in heaven. And one day he will return. And so we live in hope um, of the day where he makes all things new. And so that much is, is clear. And so he says, hold on not let go, live up to what you already have or what is already clear. But if you want to be mature, think this way. Have Jesus and knowing him fully as your prize. It um, reminds me a bit of when I lived in a, in a share house, um, the guy that lived in the front room, 
Um, he really got into the video game Call of Duty on his Xbox. Um, and it started out as just talking about Call of Duty. Uh, but then all of a sudden he was like playing it every night for like an hour, two hours. He was playing it until he went to bed. Um, and then he started like reorganizing his life around it, like even reorienting his life around this video game. And so he would come home from work on his lunch break and like kind of try to play one-handed while eating a sandwich. And his whole life was just pointed towards Call of Duty. He had this devotion to it. And he actually ended up becoming like one of the best players in Australia and even the world for a short amount of time. Like he progressed really far, but there was this singular devotion, this mind that was set on uh, knowing this game fully inside and out. Um, and you look at it and you think, like, you could call that obsession, right? You could call that obsession. But that's the, that's the kind of devotion, that single-minded um, setting your heart and your love uh, upon Jesus that God wants us to have. He wants us to have almost this obsessive love that, that we would not be afraid to pour our whole lives into knowing Jesus fully, to, to, to knowing Him fully, to have that as our, our, our prize, to, to not be afraid to pour in our time, to reorganize our life, to offer up our, our work life, our family life, our, our hopes, our desires, all that we are, um, to, to knowing Jesus. We might call it obsessive, but God knows that that's what is best for the human being, that that's where true joy and true satisfaction is found, in, in knowing Jesus and in knowing Him fully. And so as we pursue that prize of knowing Jesus fully, He is at work in us, transforming us to be more like himself. But the Philippians and us aren't just to have the right mindset, but we're to also have the right walk, that's to the right life that, that lives out what we believe. He says in verse 17, he says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And so Paul puts himself forward as an example for the Christian life, doesn't he? He says, okay, Philippians, join together in following my life, living as, as I do. He's not afraid to put himself forward as an example. And if you're a bit like me, you might um, sort of read that and initially go, oh, is that a bit arrogant? Um, so putting yourself forward like this, my life, look at my life, and he's in prison, remember, like this is the example of the Christian life. But there's a couple of things for us to hold in mind. Um, Paul isn't being arrogant here. Um, he writes in other places, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's the implication there, that he's not building some Paul cult around himself, but it's putting himself forward as a godly example um, another thing is that um, Paul holds this place as an apostle of Jesus. Like he has been commissioned by Jesus for this job. 
He's got this kind of special place in, in, in history of, of the church. And then lastly, the, 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 this early church, it didn't have the New Testament yet. Like they're reading the letter to the Philippians for the very first time, right? And, um, and so Paul, in effect, is saying, read my life. Read my life. You want to know what the Christian life looks like? Well, read my life. And then he says to keep your eyes on those who, who live as we do. Well, why is that? Well, because there's another kind of walk, a walk that is very, very different to Paul's walk, a life that is very different to his. He says in verse 18, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So there's this other walk where they're not, they're not walking um, a, a godly walk that is in pursuit of knowing Jesus fully, but it's a walk that he names as a walk that's um, walking as an enemy of the cross of Christ. And as he writes about them, his eyes are filling with tears as he thinks about them. And what the... Um, commentators seem to think is that what Paul has in mind here are are those who were once attached to the Christian community, who once walked alongside them, but now they no longer walk with them. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's heavy language, isn't it? Like we don't tend to to use that when we talk about those who don't know Jesus yet. Um, I don't know if I've ever described um, unbelieving friends or family as somebody who would walk as an enemy of the cross of Christ. Or even when um, we share our stories of how we came to faith, um, when we give testimonies like that, we, we often don't use language about ourselves like that either. Like once I walked as an enemy of the cross of Christ. But the Bible seems to be quite clear that naturally that's our story that none of us are born christians that none of us are born saved that that we were all naturally enemies of the cross of christ because of sin and so this that's that's the testimony of all of us here that we once were walking as enemies of the cross but god was at work and so the Christian is somebody who, who once walked as an enemy of the cross, but through a beautiful work of God, there's been a change of heart, a change of mind, and now a change of direction as they walk towards the prize of knowing Jesus fully. But Paul goes on to describe the, what it looks like for somebody to walk as an enemy of the cross. He says in verse 19, their destiny is destruction. So currently, the, the destination that they're heading towards is, is judgment and, and hell. That's, that's where that walk currently ends for those who walk as an enemy of the cross. Their, um, their God is their stomach. So they, they worship self-satisfaction. They, they're just ruled by the desires of their heart. He says that uh, 
their glory is in their shame. And so they boast about the things they should be ashamed about, like they're proud of their sin, their wickedness. And lastly, and maybe these are all symptoms of this, their, their mind is set on earthly things. And so that walk is so different to the walk that God desires for us. And the implication there is that those who would walk after Paul, who would walk, um, who would live a life in pursuit of knowing Jesus, would have a walk that is completely opposite to that. And so if you have trusted in Christ, your, your end isn't destruction, but it's eternal life with Him. Your, your God isn't your self-satisfaction, but instead your desire is fixed on Jesus. You desire Him above all other things. You don't glory or boast in your shame, but you boast in Christ instead. And your mind isn't set on earthly things, but your mind is set on things above. I was, those are two very, very different lives, two different destinations, two very different walks. It got me thinking about the neighborhood in which I, I grew up. Um, there was a a guy who was about my age who had this very, very distinctive walk. Like he would he would walk really fast with like big long steps. Is that what a gait is? Sorry, off topic. Um but he would walk with very long steps and he'd swing his arms and he would move fast. And so like you'd spy him a mile off, like I'll I'll do it for you. It was like I don't know how he did it, but it was like he would just go and it didn't matter how fast you were going in your car. Like, you could zoom past him, but you're like, well, it's that guy. Or he could be ages and ages down the road, and you'd go, it's him. Like, it was distinctive. And conversely, I've got um, a dear friend of mine whose walk is completely opposite to that. Um, He takes these little short steps, and they're kind of bouncy, and he doesn't move his arms at all. And so it's just this... And same thing. Like, I can see him a mile off. I'm like, hey... um, and, and so this, this, this walk, like it's evidence of, of, of who they are. Two very different walks. And so a question, a few questions for us this evening around walking is what kind of walk do we have? Like what walk do you currently have? Is it a, is it, is it a walk in, in pursuit of knowing Jesus fully? Or are you currently walking as an enemy of the cross? It's an important and serious question. Something else to consider is who, who do you imitate? Who's, who holds great influence over you? What are the voices that, that you learn from, that you listen to? And do they urge you in, in knowing Jesus more or do they draw you away? And the last thing to ponder is like who who's imitating you? Like is it would it actually be a good thing for somebody else to have a Christian walk that looks like mine? Not not always. And um we don't pose these questions to like 
really bum us out on a Sunday night, but, um, but because they're important things to consider, because, yes, we are works in progress. Like, God is working in us. He's working on us. But we also have this responsibility as, as followers of Jesus to live out what we believe. It's important that we have the right mindset. It's ro- important that we have the right kind of walk as well. And lastly, it's important that we have the right hope too. So Paul turns to hope now. You might think that like if we're going to, if Paul was going to say what an opposite, what the opposite to an enemy of the cross of Christ is, you might think, well, the opposite of that is a friend of the cross of Christ. But Paul doesn't put it that way. He says, but your citizenship is in heaven. And so in, in his mind, the opposite of an enemy of the cross of Christ is a citizen. Somebody whose citizenship lies in heaven. Like um, heaven has jurisdiction over you. You as a Christian have somewhere that you belong. That's in heaven. You've got someone that you belong to. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to, do, to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And so the, the hope that we have in Jesus, it, um, it extends over all things like even to what Paul describes as our lowly bodies. That, that we've got this hope in Christ that, that he will return and he will do such a transforming work, like an ultimate transforming work. He finishes it off as our, even our bodies are transformed. You thought about the word lowly, like why he describes our bodies as lowly, like we're subject to decay, our bodies are subject to aging and, and death and sickness and disease. Um, even our bodies are subject to the temptation to sin as well. And what we have in Jesus is this certain hope that, that what is currently true in all of that will one day become untrue as he returns. And so the Christian is somebody who is awaiting this saviour, like we look in hope to this Jesus who is coming back. Our um, daughter, Edith, she's the noisy one up the back at the moment. Um, She's at daycare two and a half days a week at the moment. And um, often she'll get a bit upset when we drop her off at daycare of a morning. You know, a few tears, a bit whingy. Um, but we tend to leave her with a promise. And so we get down to her level and we say, we say, okay, mum and dad will come back. Like We will be back. We always come back. And so we leave her with this promise of return. And so we then send her off. Um, and then in the afternoon, evening, whenever we pick her up, um, I'll use myself in this example. If I'm picking her up, 90% of the time when we go to pick her up, 
she will see me, run towards me, and the first thing out of her mouth will be the shout, Daddy, you came back. You always come back. What is that? Like, that fills me with joy, but what, but what is that? Well, now you've got this, like, nearly three-year-old, and she doesn't understand the concept of time. She talks about something and says last night, but it was last week. Like, she doesn't understand time. She can't read a clock. She can't interpret the time. She doesn't quite get that yet. But there is something that she does get, and that's the promise, the promise of return. And I, I really believe that that's um, a, a picture for us who, who don't always have a clear idea, a clear interpretation of the times in which we live. We don't always have like the clearest perspective on our lives and the world and what is going on. Like you could pick anything, like something global, like coronavirus or um, global um, climate change or terrorism or economic downturn or, or the things that might currently hit closer to, to home, the pain and suffering and difficulty in our lives. We don't always have the clear interpretation of, of what it all means, but we can grab a hold of this promise of return in Jesus. This, this promise that like, you're, you're not left alone, that you're not forgotten about, and that somebody, the Lord Jesus Christ, is coming back. And so that's something for us to hold on to as we await his complete um, transformation of the world and of us as works in progress. And it means that God is at work in our lives. He is at work in our lives. And as we, as we pursue knowing Jesus more, as we, as we live for him, as we, as we look to him for our hope, he's surely transforming us more and more into his likeness. If, if you are here and you're thinking maybe not in these words, um, like, okay, like, I guess that means I'm an enemy of the cross currently. Um, the, the situation is not hopeless for you. In, in Jesus, there's this offer of salvation that's the story of all of us, that, that once we were enemies of Jesus, but he in his grace, he's rescued us. There's, there's hope for you that, that in him there's the forgiveness of sins, that, that, that what is currently true will one day be made untrue. For, for us who, who have trusted in Jesus, what we have in, in this evening's um, text is is a great reminder that like we we cannot be um boastful like kind of up ourselves like about any of this because we haven't been perfected like god's got to work in us he's got to keep working in us and and we were all once enemies of the cross and it's just by his grace that he has done this we've got this reminder that we're to participate in what god wants by living for him 
by desiring him above all things and looking to him in hope as he works in us and on us, making us into something beautiful for himself. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good. We thank you that um, we've got these promises in your word, like you will never leave us, you won't forsake us. Um, None of us have been forgotten about. We thank you for your love for us. Help us, Lord, to be um, a people who look to you for hope, ultimate hope. Help us, Lord, to have a, a walk through life that lives out what we believe. Help us to encourage others as well as we don't walk alone, but we walk together. And help us, Lord, to remember that um, anything good that we do, um, it's only you working through us. And Lord, would you um, do that renewing work in our minds as well, Lord, that, that you would help us to bring every thought um, captive to you, that you would um, keep um, bringing us into alignment with you. Forgive us for where we stray, but we know, Lord, that you are good and quick to forgive. So we worship you as our hope and we look to you as our ultimate hope. In your name we pray, amen.